time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Exit one Paul Driscoll, a creature of the 20th century. He puts to a test a complicated theorem of space-time continuum. But he goes a step further, or tries to. Shortly, he will seek out three moments of the past in a desperate attempt to alter the present, one of the odd and fanciful functions in a shadowland known as the Twilight Zone. Episode number 112 of the Twilight Zone is No Time Like the Past. And, and Sean, I have conflicted feelings on this one because it, it's probably my favorite episode of the Twilight Zone, but like I would never really? put it on my my Mount Rushmore of episodes. It was uh, it was a pleasant surprise in the middle of uh, the fourth season because um, we got some real stinkers coming up. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I I don't know I don't know how to explain it. Like like clearly it's it it's the one that I the one that I like the best, but it wouldn't be on my list of the best episodes ever. So I you know, I, I don't know what to do with that, but but there it is. It's a it's a romp, and you know what? It's done well. It, you know, if if as much as that you can, you know, consider uh, about going back to World War II a romp, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's done well. And this is my gauge on whether or not a story should have been an hour or not in the fourth <laughs> in the fourth season. If you go to an episode's page on Wikipedia, um, if it's like four paragraphs or more, I think that's a legitimate one-hour story. But man. There are some where the, it's like four sentences and somehow just the entire plot <laughs> synopsis and somehow it's still an hour long. So, Yeah, I think that of all the hour long episodes, um, I, I think this is this is the one where they definitely had an hour of story to tell. But but actually, may, maybe they didn't, because uh, <laughs> like if, you, if you only count the the like last little vignette where he goes to i think it's the 1880s yeah it probably could have been a half hour episode and i'm not sure you lose anything for sure for sure i agree um i i did think it's funny that it's like you know i'm gonna go back to world war ii and you know uh um you know he does all this stuff in world war ii and then the next one is to stop the assassination of james garfield it's just yeah. Any present being shot is going to be a big deal. I just thought it was funny that it was Garfield, you know, and not I had to think about that first for a second when he when he went when like all that went down because I'm like, oh yeah, he was one of them that was assassinated. It gets crazy too because when you think of when this 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 episode aired March seventh, nineteen sixty three, mm -hmm. and you know we're six months away from another president being assassinated so there there are probably literally people who watch this episode and were like oh yeah back in the day when presidents could be assassinated god that sends chills down my spine just the re right. reality it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy um so uh paul driscoll which is a total like 1960s tv show um, <laughs> TV show name uh he's he, he's disgruntled with the way the uh, the 20th century has uh, has has gone around. Which, um, so, my observation from like the the opening scene of this series is, um, you know, I I think 
Rod Serling wrote the uh, wrote the teleplay to this, so this is this is definitely like very very Serling esque for sure. The dialogue, <laughs> on the one hand, is great. Like what the, what they're saying is is really yeah. uh, sort, of, sort of like meaningful and impactful. But as I was watching it, and, and I think this is the first time I I paid any attention to it at all. Uh, as I as I'm watching it, I'm like, nobody talks like this. Like, who, who has the conversation? <laughs> like, I guess if you're standing in front of a time machine, like it would probably alter your your perception of things a little bit. But they're having like sure. this this big, just grandiose talk about fate and life and and all this. And I'm like, who talks like this? Yeah, it's it, it's very like um, <clears throat> you know what what you kind of. It's very clear the writer of this is like, oh man, I've always wanted to have this conversation and this conversation. They don't have it, it in real life. It's literally because, like I said, Serling, you know, Serling wrote the the whole episode, so so it's all uh, it's all him. And I think it's almost like a a Serling narration, except two people are having the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and what I really loved is you, you had mentioned this a couple times, but there's, there is a theme running throughout several Twilight Zone episodes where it's, where, you know, there's kind of a, you know, God from a machine where it's like, um, oh, well, I just know a nuclear physicist. There's one next door. Um, <laughs> you know, like Paul and Harvey are, you know, they're, they're colleagues, but still it's like, oh, well, I just know somebody who has a time machine. Uh, well, you know, again, it is the, the, the carefree sixties. Um, <laughs> And I know that, like in Houston, there was a neighborhood where just all of the astronauts lived. So I mean, maybe it's not that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Not that far fetched. You know, that, that's how it is at the time, and so they're they're thinking, well, that's how it's going to be in the future. You know, there's a lot of PhDs down here in North Alabama, so I guess you know, if 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 I ever need a you know just a a PhD a, a, from that umbrella term, I can just you, you knock know, knock on a door. That's actually true. Like, like you of all people, you live in a place where if you needed a <laughs> nuclear physicist, you could probably find one pretty easily. It's a it's it's a one industry town, and it's just a bunch of nuclear physicists and time machine uh, architects. Although I live like sandwiched between Argonne National Laboratory and Fermi Lab, so honestly, if I needed to find a nuclear physicist, I could probably find one too. Very true. Very true. <laughs> So I, I don't think it's not as far-fetched as we think. You know, you've talked about Mackinac Island a time or two on the show. What's what's the uh, what is the profession that you will have no trouble finding in your neighbors? Um, hotel workers, basically. <laughs> that works. <laughs> I mean, because it's uh, it, it actually is like I, I guess this guy's kind of living my dream because he's uh, he goes back to the 1880s. I mean. Mackinac Island is sort of like perpetually stuck in the 1880s. <laughs> if, if, you, you're be, if you're going to be stuck in a time period in the 1800s, 1880 is probably the least uh, objectionable. <laughs> actually, you're you're not wrong. Um, I think you would go insane. We're, we we actually will talk about this episode, but I think you would go insane if you went back to back in time because just the practicalities of things would drive you bonkers. Um, oh no no no! Really... See, I don't want to. I don't want to actually live in the 1880s. <laughs> I want to live on the island where it's practically like the 1880s, except you still have internet access and. and oh, true, 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 absolutely. Things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, at, at the uh, at, at the end of the day, I don't want to live in uh, in the 1880s. I just want to live around horses and and people riding bikes. That that's <laughs> what I'm going for. 
I would go nuts trying to figure out how much uh, 2022 dollars were worth in the 1880s. And if I was getting a good deal on my <laughs> whatever I'm buying at the market. You know, I, I actually had this idea for a for a, a sci-fi. It would probably be a, a short story where um, people are, because of inflation, stop me if you've heard this before. Um, <laughs> Because of inflation, somebody somebody invents a time machine and starts like renting apartments in like the 1880s, so that people they use their money from the future to to buy like stuff in like the 1880s, just to get around a, it, just to get around inflation. Like all they do is they zip in their time machine and go to the 1880s to sleep and live and everything, and then they it's not a bad idea. Future. So yeah, look for that short story coming. Uh, coming one one day soon because it'll take up a whole hour it's like it's like time arbitrage that that's (laughs) time slumlord (laughs) time slumlord i like i like that uh yeah at at some point uh, the guy just starts renting out the uh, the murder castle here in chicago (laughs) oh my god i forgot about that man that's the that's the home of hh holmes yes yeah the wow and in case you're not familiar with the story, Woo. it's called the Murder Castle, so it, it it's not a great place to live. The World's Fair was lit that year. <laughs> it really was, yeah. Uh, that that was the 1890s, so that, that would be a little bit a uh, little bit further ahead. So anyway, Paul Driscoll <laughs> is not happy with the 20th century, and um, uh, that doesn't like it at all. He's he's talking with his uh, nuclear physicist buddy. Um, and, and I, I always wondered because because they never really get into this. Did he make the time machine? Did the nuclear physicist guy make the time machine? Did he just find it somewhere? Like, how, how did that even happen? I was wondering the same thing. I think I I I just assumed that Harvey built it and Paul knew somebody named Harvey. Okay, so, so I'm guessing Paul is is really rich. And first of all, the two yeah. characters are Paul and Harvey. So Paul Paul Harvey. <laughs> um uh so i I, i'm guessing paul just has loads of money but at some but proving that that money can't buy you happiness he still hates the uh, 20th century which i'm guessing maybe that means he he has a bunch of uh he has a bunch of money but he uh you know he inherited it so he he hasn't really had any success on his own or something (laughs) i just um I think I think this story would have, well we'll get to it we'll get to it go ahead sorry uh, so uh, eventually after their their very deep philosophical um, <laughs> conversation which it, it just makes no sense for for people to be talking like that but uh, uh, it gets the point across he hates the, he hates the twentieth century that's basically what he's he's trying to say here uh, so he goes to Hiroshima in uh, in uh, the first. And they're a little coy as to as to what's going on. I mean, it's clearly clearly Japan. Um, And then he he basically, uh, you know, as as they go through their conversation, which which, first of all, an American guy just shows up in the middle of uh, a a town in Japan in August 1945. I'm thinking he's not even getting arrested. He's probably just getting shot. You know, oh yeah, a hundred percent. And likewise, I'm surprised he gets away. Well, on on his second stop, but you know, this is pretty pretty bold storytelling, honestly, even for Rod Serling, because 
you know, we are less than 20 years uh, removed from the the end of the war and mm-hmm. the two atomic bombs dropped on Japan. And kind of probably still in a narrative, unless you're super hippied out, um, still under the narrative that the atomic bombs saved American lives, right? Yeah. And to, and to kind of write a protagonist going back in time to save Japan from those two bombs is pretty bold storytelling, I think. It is a very, very Sterling-esque boldness there. Um, He, uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting because when you think about it, like even if they evacuated all the people from the the town, the town would still blow up. So it would still probably have the same effect. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. So he's Um, not... You know, he, he's not even uh, he's, he's not even trying to, you know, stop the bombing. He's he's just trying to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, more people survive. So for sure, um, you know, th- that's probably a, a very non-threatening way for for Serling to, uh, yeah. to, to throw that in there where he's saying, oh, oh, listen, we'll still bomb it. It's just uh, <laughs> let's, let's We're not still have millions of people. Yeah. Um, but he makes it up, makes up for it in the second stop. And when he does, when he tries to do what everybody wants to do, kill Hitler. He, he does. And, uh, but he does it in the most inefficient way possible. <laughs> I don't know. So, so he's in, um, so, so he goes back again to, to 1939, which is right before, I, I assume it's, it's right before, uh, you know, World War II actually starts. So Hitler's actually in charge. Um, you know, wh- wh- why would you pick that time? You know, unless <laughs> unless the the time machine Harvey made has some sort of uh, you know limitation to it or something, I I don't understand why you would you, why you would pick him off uh, in, yeah. in 1939. Like at that point, you know, somebody else just picks it up and runs with it. I I don't know that that actually stops World War II. Well, because uh, there were, there are plenty of p- crazy people around him. <laughs> what was what was running through my head is why don't you just go back to when Hitler was a baby? It's like it, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that think that thought experiment existed back in 1960. Would you kill baby Hitler? Like why not just no, go back even, to when he was a baby? Even that there's there was a British soldier in World War One who actually like it's verified that oh, he. Uh, yeah. He ran it, you know, he ran into Hitler. They were, I, he was a messenger and this guy was a sniper and actually crossed paths with Hitler. They know it was Hitler and he, for whatever reason, decided not to shoot him. It's crazy. Um, you know, you could do that. You could just like pop up right next to the guy and be like, hey, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> or just say, hey, that's Hitler. Shoot him. Even though you know, well, who I mean, is at the yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be like, "What? What does that mean?" Who? who, who so, cares? what I what I was thinking about while I was watching this is, you know, he he goes to Japan forty five, he goes to Germany thirty nine, and then he goes to the Lusitania. Um, why yeah. not go to the earliest destination first, and then you and, and then you're making because, your way back. Yeah, because if you go to 45 and let's say he saves that village, uh mm-hmm. saves the town, and then he go and then he goes to 39, what if he does something in 39 that affects something in 45? Does he have to go back to fix that? 
that's what if a he good accidentally question. shoots the maid instead of Hitler, and then the maid like gives birth to a son who or or Who's daughter super who... Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> super Hitler sounds mean. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a controversial statement right there. Super Hitler be, seems mean. It would be awesome if the if uh, this episode was sponsored by Hiller. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. Uh, sorry, I'm getting off track. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, for, for people it. for people who don't know, uh, Hiller is a uh, is a company in the South. I, I, I don't think it's just Huntsville, but it's a uh, it's a. Uh, it's a company in the South, and um, <laughs> I I actually posted on social media that I saw something that was sponsored by Hiller. I thought I was and, the only and one. I, and I I I posted, uh, is is this sponsored by Hitler? <laughs> the smiley face really really uh, yeah brings it all together. Yeah, they're it, it's called Hiller, and their their logo is a smiley face. That, it's like an air conditioning yeah. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he, uh, uh, he, he basically learns that, uh, go figure people in Germany before world war II liked Hitler. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he, the, the housekeeper, he like, this would have been so easy to resolve because all he has to do is when, when the, uh, when the housekeeper is talking about how great Hitler is go, sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I like yeah, him. Yeah. He's, he's fine. And then shoot him. <laughs> like that, that's yeah. all you have to do. Just, so just play, do. play the long game, Paul. Just realize you're, you're <laughs> just realize you're in you're in Germany in 1939. You can't go around talking about how uh, how how much of a scumbag Hitler is. That, that it just doesn't work. It's like the first thing you learn. It, it is, yeah. That, that should have been an orientation when he start when he fired up the time machine. Listen, if you go to Germany, that, that's the advice my dad uh, gave me. Uh, the, the 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 advice uh, Abe Simpson gave to Homer on his wedding day. Uh, give uh, if you ever go back in time, don't step on anything. And if you go back to 1939, just act like you like Hitler. Just so then people him. people will trust you, and then you can go ahead and kill Hitler. It's, it's not that hard. And Keith Conrad's I mean, I rule of time travel. <laughs> I would I would imagine that like um if you're going back in time to do these big grandiose things to solve world wars to solve the advent of the A bomb um you kind of know you kind of have a feeling you're likely not coming back from this mission so like it's the least you could do to <laughs> just say ah yeah Hitler's not so bad don't isolate that please don't isolate that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I, again, if you're, if you're there to do something like that, you, you got to make some sacrifices. Exactly. Um, exactly. Paul um, sucks. Yeah. He, he does. He, he just has not thought this out at all. Um, <laughs> uh, so after he fails to kill Hitler and, and fails to of, uh, of Hiroshima, he goes on a, a third journey to the past and uh, goes to the uh, he, he's on the Lusitania. And he's trying to get the captain to change course, which doesn't really make any sense because it, there, there's a U-boat and you're going to have to be pretty far away in order for the U-boat to not see that there's a there's a ship around. Plus, when the, the Lusitania was actually uh, torpedoed, it was actually very close to land. 
So it's not like they had oh, I didn't a, know a, whole that. Lot of, a whole lot of places to go. So I, I know you're not supposed to put that much thought into what's going on. <laughs> this is why you'd go insane if yeah. you went back in time. But let's go back and save the Titanic because honestly, all those people were fairly innocent. They're, some of them were kind of jerks, but they were fairly innocent. And uh, Especially Billy you know, Zane. The well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> had it had a, as big of an impact on the 20th century as anything else. So, so go, uh, go, go, save the people on the Titanic. I and was it'll work also... out much better for Rose and Jack. <laughs> Plenty of room on that door. Um, was it the Germans or the, it was the Japan? Yeah, Japanese. Okay. Uh, I, I was also thinking during that time where it's like, because didn't the Japanese have like actually human operated torpedoes? um I, listen the japanese were experimenting with a lot of ways to to kill their own people uh yeah. the end. so God. i certainly wouldn't put it past them but i i can't think of any reason why you'd have a human operated torpedo there was something i i swear i i just uh watched a documentary on the, the <laughs> uss indianapolis which is the most horrifying story of all time yes um, yes it is and and uh for some reason i i i want to say i there was like a, a bit part about like um the torpedoes they sent like actually had like people in them which i don't even know how that works anyway let's get back to the episode <laughs> <laughs> uh but by the way while we're talking about horrible things um <laughs> i i recently so so i'm hugely into the titanic which is why i want uh, paul to go back and, and save the titanic and uh the, the lusitania was never really a big thing for me but i was watching a, a documentary on the lusitania and like the titanic sank in two and a half hours so there was wow. a lot of uh, a lot of time for uh for things to happen God, that sucks <laughs> uh i mean you know long enough for you to get bored waiting for the ship to sink jeez um but the lusitania sank in 18 minutes oh my god and the thing that just like it, it just just horrified me is the fact that's that, crazy uh like almost immediately after the the uh the ship was torpedoed all the electricity went out on the ship oh my god so there were people that were in the elevators at the time because there were there were elevators on the uh on, yeah. on the lusitania uh so they were just like stuck there and and they just went down, down down with the ship in the elevator like that, that i i can't think of a more horrible horrible thing to happen to it, somebody. and it, it just in like the pitch black yeah yeah um on that cheerful note uh paul <laughs> did paul does not manage to save those people or anybody he um he he ultimately decides uh he, he comes back and decides that uh the past cannot be changed but he still hates the 20th century so what is a guy to do he just decides he's going to live in the past and not change anything honestly like so i thought the entire episode was just going to be him going to like you know he's basically a time cop like going to destinations and you know uh trying to to right wrongs but um this this is why i think this episode is so good because like the 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 plot kind of changes yes he does you know the trying to right wrongs in the past like is a you know is weaved throughout the the plot but when he's just when he just says well i'm gonna go back to you know 1880 and uh and live i was like okay this is this is even more interesting now so this is a good yeah. episode um well now so so he he goes back and goes back to homeville indiana which uh, uh just in case you're wondering <laughs> is not a place 
uh, in <laughs> there's not a place called Homeville. And they, imagine that. Um, <laughs> but he realizes that he got there like the day before James Garfield is going to get shot. And I believe James Garfield is the one where, um, speaking of horrible ways to die, yeah, like he, uh, he, I, he. I, I think, I believe he's the one who got, who got shot. And basically at that time, they didn't believe in like sterilizing anything. So yeah. like he get, he gets shot and they're, they're like examining him, you know, in the train station where he got shot and the doctor's just like digging around looking for the bullet. Like, yes. and, uh, and that it, it gets worse from there. And, you know, if, if you look at look up how James A. Garfield died, like they they literally just had him with a big hole in his it is in his side for like a month until eventually he just he just got every infection imaginable and died. Yeah, like um, a month. Well, like with, <laughs> with without even the 1880s, like with 1880s methods of disinfectant and sterilization <laughs> like right just a, a um, wooden bucket of muddy water to uh, to his side i'm sure and so like in the um in the uh um you know in the other times he went back to like he actually tries to change the past and when he realizes james a garfield is is going to get shot he uh he does think about trying to to stop it um but here's the thing, like, I, I believe he was shot in Washington, D.C. Let me uh, let me actually look that up he where getting... he where he was. I, he it was... was at a train station. Oh, I, um, but he was giving a speech, though, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking to see it. Oh, he's so he was in he was in uh, Washington D.C. It was at the uh, it was at the train station there, and so first of all, he's acting like he's made the decision. I'm not going to stop this from happening. He's in Homeville, Indiana, and the president gets shot in Washington D.C. and it's 1880. You yeah. can't get to Washington <laughs> D.C. the next day in 1880. You got to get really lucky and have a like immediately recallable memory about the incident because keith you and i have learned about this in school we're still looking this up right now this guy has to be like the james garfield aficionado specifically about his assassination to know where to be at the right time at the right place uh well apparently he didn't because he goes to homeville indiana on the day before <laughs> james a. garfield is going to get shot oh, shit, i gotta get out of here <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get going. And, and you know, Homeville, the fictional Homeville, isn't exactly uh, Indianapolis, and even Indianapolis probably wasn't that huge back hit, back in 1880. So it's not yeah. like there's a train there with daily uh, daily trips to Washington D.C. So he didn't really make that decision. The world he went to made the decision that he wasn't going to do anything to stop that. Although I guess, in fairness, like he could have gone to Washington DC and told them to stop digging around in, in Garfield's wound. Very so maybe true. Very he, true. Maybe he would have had a chance to survive. I, I suppose he could have done that. Yeah. You know what? Like that's actually how he could have saved Garfield uh, fr from the Wikipedia entry. Uh, according to some historians, and medical experts, Garfield might have survived his wounds. Had the doctors attending him had at their disposable had at their disposal today's medical research, knowledge, techniques, and equipment. However, um, 
today's you know techniques etc probably isn't like super different than 1963 so he could have brought back medical he could have brought like medical equipment a book to to washington dc 1881 oh yeah he could and, and maybe garfield would have yeah that would have been i i uh uh, I, I think it's probably more probably worse than the, the way that George Washington died. Obviously, it wasn't an assassination or anything. But George Washington, quite literally, uh, he went out to inspect his his plantation without his coat on, got a, sore got a sore throat, and their solution to the sore throat was to just, just bleed him. And yeah, eventually, yeah. He, just, he just bled to death. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, so, yeah. It, for for that reason alone, that's why I wanted to uh, move to Mackinac Island, which is <laughs> like 1880, uh, except without all of the stone knives and bearskins. <laughs> but those are the best part. So basically, Paul spends uh, you know like three days in in eighteen in in eighteen eighty one. And uh, he gets in a fight with somebody who just wants to invade literally everybody. Uh, yes, you know, like he's he's staying at a <clears throat> at a boarding house, and this guy thinks, uh, you know, the Monroe Doctrine. He, he Monroe's a pansy, and we just for, forget <laughs> forget all of North America. We need to invade everybody. It's um, um you know, there's there's still a good amount of people like that around here in North Alabama. Two thousand twenty. That that that's a hundred and forty I mean, years later. <laughs> yeah. If you look around hard enough, you, you can you can find them uh, anywhere. Um, but uh, but but yeah. Um, so there's there's a good parallel between that guy that uh, Paul meets in the boarding house and uh, Dennis Hopper from from a couple a uh, couple episodes ago. Oh, I can see that. Maybe they're maybe they're relatives. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the uh, Twilight Zone cinematic universe. Yeah, in, in my in my in my Twilight Zone head canon, they're they're. Absolutely <laughs> right. Um, I I don't think they ever said what town that was, so maybe that was uh, what Homeville, Indiana, grows up into. Maybe it is. Yeah, it it could very <laughs> very well be. Mike so great grandfather. Could yeah could could very well be. <laughs> well well no I don't I don't think that Dennis Hopper's character had uh, had any kids. He he certainly didn't seem like he had time. Very true. Very true. Uh, so, so probably not. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, he gets in a he gets in a fight with this guy who wants to invade literally everybody. Uh, but he does catch the eye of the local school marm, yes. and, uh, and and eventually, despite the fact that he's only there for like like two days, uh, he falls in love with her. But that but then he learns that uh, Homeville's uh, schoolhouse is going to burn down the next day. Uh, and he tries to be more helpful uh, in that situation, trying to stop it. And in trying to stop it, uh, he ends up causing it. So, yes, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, th that's, I guess, the the whole Grandpa Simpson, you know, moral of the story, right? Exactly, um, yeah. So did he live, look, I know that I'm the dumb one on this show about not just <laughs> I, the twilight zone 
I, I truly wish I don't the gap think wasn't anybody, so large. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would uh, would would come to that conclusion. No, you're too kind. Um, however, what? So, this is my question about this episode, and I'm coming to you from a very vulnerable place, Keith. <laughs> okay. So, did he? So, was he in Homeville in 1963? How did he? I don't pick home. I don't think so because you know he he was bouncing around. He went to you know the middle of the ocean. He went to yeah. Hiroshima. <laughs> he went to uh, he went but, to Germany. So I I don't think how, there's any suggestion that he was in Homeville. How does he know about this random damn schoolhouse burning down in Nowheresville, Indiana, from eighty years ago? Uh, oh, everybody knows the history of Homeville. <laughs> the Wikipedia uh, page says. A passing remark from a local musician jogs a memory from Paul's vast historical knowledge. I have tons of useless knowledge in my brain. I don't know shit about a schoolhouse that burns down 140 years ago or 60 yeah, years ago. I hadn't even really noticed that, but but you're right. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to just randomly <laughs> know that. Um, I mean, it, it's very convenient. There's so many ways to write around that, but... I, I I digress. I love you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, even um, you know, so he 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 actually, uh, I th I think he, he I think he he actually does read it, right? Uh, like he yeah, has a, yeah. he has a history book with him, and he and he does read it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. You're so, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So so that's how that that's how he he knows it's going to happen. My question is like in in the same vein as yours, okay, why is there a, a thing in a history book about a school fire in Homeville, Indiana? Why <laughs> why did anybody take the time to write about that? There were there were fires all over the place. Like, look, the, the city of Chicago, like a third of it burned to the ground, uh, you know, nine cow. years, nine years before this. Um, those are happening all the time. So it's it's not like that would have been a, a big deal. If we have if we have lanterns just hanging around anywhere, there's gonna be there's gonna be some school fires. Oh, I remember I I first saw this episode not long after I had learned about the Chicago fire, and both of those did involve involve kerosene lanterns. Yes, and uh, <laughs> uh, we actually had a kerosene lantern in in uh, in my house, and um, that that freaked me out for several years afterwards. Like I, I always had my eye on that thing. I thought it was just just waiting to burst into flames. Just just tiny tiny Keith, just so nervous, nervous about yep. a lantern. Nervous, just always giving that that kerosene lantern the side eye. Just <laughs> for for One years afterwards. You know, oh my you know god, it's gonna happen. I know I know we're running a little long compared to our other episodes, but. Do you have a favorite uh, time travel paradox, or is, uh, is is it just the grandfather well, paradox? I, I, the the grandfather paradox always confused me because uh, you know I, I I didn't meet one of my grandfathers. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. he passed Same. away when my uh, when my mom was a teenager. Uh, the other one actually died when I was when I was pretty young, but I I still remember him uh, really well. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember. Um, like I didn't understand, I, at one point I didn't understand like the concept of what a grandparent was. Mm. And then one day I just noticed that my grandfather and my dad looked a lot alike. 
<laughs> and then it just yeah it just like clicked in my head i'm like oh <laughs> i um it's it, it's it's stuff like this that that bugs me about time travel uh storytelling yeah. and i don't know maybe i need to read up more about it but it's like you know so if he never went back would the schoolhouse burn at all um yeah. or did he just you know or can you change the past um if you can't do you just change the method of how it happens uh but the only reason i i brought up my uh, grandparents by the way is is to say that uh uh, I can't imagine uh, going back in time, meeting them, and deciding I need to kill them. Yeah, like that. I, I, have never met anybody who decided that I that I wanted to kill them. So why am I going to travel back in time and decide that I need to kill my own grandfather? I, it, that doesn't make any sense to me. So unless of that, course that, you're Adolf Hitler's grandson. That's true. Incident on a July afternoon, 1881. A man named Driscoll who came and went and, in the process, learned a simple lesson. Perhaps best said by a poet named Lathbury, who wrote, Children of yesterday, heirs of tomorrow, what are you weaving? Labor and sorrow? Look to your looms again, faster and faster fly the great shuttles prepared by the master. Life's in the loom. Room for it. Room. Tonight's tale of clocks and calendars in the Twilight Zone. Cabotron?